Welcome to Que Pasa HSIs, a podcast dedicated to everything Hispanic serving institutions. I'm your host, Dr. Gina Ann Garcia, bringing you the news on what's happening in HSIs. Join us as we explore the history and evolution of HSIs, culturally relevant and liberatory practices, current and emerging research with HSIs, and the policies that shape servingness. Saludos, HSI familia, and welcome to the final episode of season one of Que Pasa HSIs, a podcast where we talk about all things HSIs and where we have the chance to learn about the latest research, scholarship, knowledge, and best practices coming out of HSIs and the people dedicated to advancing serviness. When I dreamt up the idea of a podcast dedicated exclusively to HSIs, I envisioned a show that would complicate an understanding of serviness a place where I could talk to my friends and colegas about and co-conspirators in the HSI struggle about all the intricacies of serviness while acknowledging that HSIs have not arrived as a unique and distinct group of colleges and universities and HSIs have not yet become spaces of justice and liberation for Latinx, Latine and other minoritized students. Yet we still are here doing the hard work to get there. The first season of the podcast has been all that and more. After every episode we, we would record, AC and I would chat for a few minutes about how mind-blown we were with each episode. I personally and professionally knew a majority of our guests before each show, but was truly blown away by the knowledge shared. Our guests poured, our guests poured into us, sharing their research and scholarship and talking about their ideas for advancing serviness in practice. And they did this con cariño, with much love and appreciation for me as their host, for you as their listeners, for HSIs as a whole, and for the Latinx and Latine students, they are so committed to serving. It's been an honor launching Que Pasa HSIs. In today's episode, I talked to Dr. Maribel Jimenez, who serves as the Dean of Academic Transfer Pathways and Partnerships at Highline College in Washington. Dr. Jimenez was a must for me on the show as her research with HSIs touches an area that is underdeveloped in HSI scholarship, strategic planning. The strategic planning process is one of the most significant processes that all higher ed institutions, institutions engage in, yet HSIs often do not think about or even mention their HSI work plans, goals, object, objectives, or outcomes in their strategic plans. Maribel centers HSIs in her conversations about strategic planning while acknowledging that the process is mostly race neutral and dominated by white ways of practicing higher ed. She shares insight into making this process about Latinx students and HSIs guided by the findings from her dissertation. Doctora Jimenez has a doctor of education from North Central University, a master of social work from Eastern Washington University, a bachelor of arts in criminal justice from Eastern Washington University, and associate of arts from Yakima Valley College. As a practitioner and alumna of an HSI, Yakima Valley, she brings her personal experiences and journey into her praxis and she, as she implements servingness. She has 15 years of experience forging partnerships across sectors and with surrounding communities with equitable transfer in mind and is a forward-thinking professional who coordinates work to serve students across the institution and across sectors with budget and expectations. Her background in social work, counseling, culturally responsive pedagogy, and equity-minded frameworks comes through in all the work that she does with HSIs. I first met Dr. Jimenez at the Alliance of Hispanic 
Serving Institution Educators Conference a few years back and through our mutual friend, Dr. Melissa Salazar, who is the founder of, of Escala Educational Services. I'll go ahead and plug, there will be an episode with these two amazing doctoras and talking about Escala uh, in season two. Doctora Jimenez's energy is so positive and so caring, I couldn't help but be drawn to her. I now have the honor of supporting her as she works to bring her dissertation findings to the masses through scholarly publication, because as I keep telling her, we need this work. I learned so much from Doctora Jimenez during this episode and hope you do too. Have fun and enjoy the show. All righty, let's go ahead and get started with today's episode. Today we have Dr. Jimenez. Thank you for taking the time to be with us here today on Get Pasa HSIs, where we talk about all things HSIs. But before we talk about what's up with HSIs, we like to talk about you and hear a little bit about you and your higher education journey. So let's start there um, with how, you know, tell us a little bit about how you have gone through higher ed from beginning to where you are now. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I want to say mil gracias for inviting me here today to talk to you, Dr. Garcia. Um, it's an honor to be here and to be invited. Um, I um, grew up in a little town, uh, Mapton, Washington, which is in the Yakima Valley in Washington State. Uh, we, My parents and my little family moved to Washington um, when I was like six. And so my K through 12 experience was very much, um, everybody looked like me. Um, I think, uh, and I think we'll talk about this later, but the fact that a lot of people don't really know that there's a lot of, there's a like very large Latinx community in Washington, especially in the Yakima Valley, where you have a lot of you know, um, agriculture work and farm workers and, um, and, you know, there's a whole history there about the Bracero program and all that, you know, we won't go, you know, we can talk more about that another time, but, um, but yeah, so my family migrated to Washington, you know, after the field work, and then uh, we uh, just kind of settled here in Washington. And, um, and so for the most part in K-12, um you know, my graduating class was like 55 people and everybody was brown. They looked like me, uh, but all of our teachers were white. Um, and so um, it was very early on that I, about freshman year, I got, I, I'm an upward bound student. So trio, I was in trio for, you know, um, high school and then in, in college. And it was through trio that I learned about college and things like that. So it wasn't because, you know, my high school counselor or my teachers or anybody said, hey, you should probably go to college, you know, that was never um, anything that happened. But it, mm. it, was, it was when I started to notice, like, oh, well, how come she's only talking to these students? And why don't I get to hear about college and, and when the colleges were coming on the on the visits, right, the recruiters and things like that. And, um, and so, that was when I started just being a part of uh, Upward Bound that they would take us to the university campuses to do events, to do things like that. And I think it's important also to mention that I'm like second oldest. And so my older brother, who's like two years older than me, um, he was in Upward Bound, but it was more like the Chiripada because he wasn't supposed to be, but because they needed more kids from our school, they put him in. And so that, yeah, so it wasn't really like because he needed it. And then Mm. um, 
it was because he had done that, that my dad was like, okay, well, he did it. Then I guess you can do it too. Because, you know, I, I, I grew up in a very traditional Mexican family home where I can't do it. Like I wasn't allowed to do sports or anything like that, you know, from, from my house to, from the school to my house and that's it. And then, you know, make dinner. And, and you know, I, I did all of that. And it was my, my, I was responsible for a lot of the, the, the home, right. Cause my mom worked. Um, and so, so there's a lot, I mean, that's a whole other conversation about how like our um, just identities of being part of a traditional Mexican home, kind of just how that interacts with our work too, because I think it, it matters. And that's why I mentioned it. Um, and, but I was, it was because of a, uh, a girl in Upward Bound and she's the one that told me about Running Start, which is a program where you can start college while you're in high school. So it wasn't my teachers, it wasn't like, it wasn't the system, right? It was like, just like, hey, you know, she just kind of like, she was older than me. It was like, you should probably think about this because you're kind of smart and you should, you know, maybe try, try that. And so then I asked about it because she had told me about it. So then I ended up getting into Running Start and, and, and finishing my AA degree my transfer degree when I graduated from high school. And, uh, but it was all through like up or down. And that was at, at Yakima Valley College where Mapton is very close. To, I went to the Grandview campus, which was the small satellite campus that was near my, my hometown. And so, so that was my initial um, kind of like connection to Yakima Valley College. And, and then I'll come like full circle, right? To, to then being a faculty member there years later. But then after I graduated, I went to Eastern Washington University, which you mentioned earlier. Um, and um, the, the thing I wanna mention about Eastern Washington University, it was the first time that I saw people that looked different than me. Um, so I had like major culture shock. Um, and I also, um, when I had, when I got there at 18 years old, I had just graduated from high school, but I also had my two-year degree. I, they were like, you have to declare your major. And I didn't, um, I didn't know what that meant. And, and the reason I say this is because I feel like that is what happens to our students, right? Like we just make assumptions that they know what all of these things mean and we don't know. And so, so then I went, this was the first time that I saw somebody that looked like me. So, so when I went to talk to the chair of the criminal justice department and the, and the psychology department, because I knew I wanted to do like one of those two things, I wasn't really sure. And then um, it was the chair of the, uh, the, of the criminal justice department that was a Mexicana and she looked like me, mm, yeah. which is what guided me towards that field, right? And I say that because I feel like that's like, it shows the importance and the power that the institutional people have on students, especially mm -hmm. if you don't know what you don't know, right? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, um, so I declared criminal justice. And during my program, I was when I realized, like, I am in the wrong program. You know, there was people <laughs> in this, in my classes who were like, oh, well, I just want to be a sheriff so I could like, have a gun and you know and I was like this is not what I'm trying to be or do like it was just like completely opposite of what I knew my values were and and what I wanted to do mm. 
And outside of that, though, um, I was involved in Meta, which I know I, I imagine you're familiar with is the Movimiento Civil Chicano de Aslan. And that has a sí, huge sí. historical implication for, for Latinx students. And for those folks who don't know what that is, I encourage them to look at the history of that movement. You know, how it had like it has like paved the way basically, and we don't really talk about it as much as I think we should. And um, and so outside of that, our mission for Mecha, like, well, first of all, I found community, right? And it was not because of this, the institution, but in spite of the institution, we found community and, and I continue to be, those are my lifelong friends still to this day that, that we connected through Mecha outside of the classroom, right? And, and uh, I just, um, you know, I, I, we continually now, you know, 20 years later, reflect on like, I don't even know how we made it through, like knowing what I know now <laughs> about systems and education, like how did we even graduate, you know? But I remember we would just be like, I don't have food, but I have this, you know, I have tomates, what do you have? Oh, plus I have this. Well, okay, can we make a dinner? Like mm. between all of us, we would take care of each other, feed each other, take care of each other in all of the ways that I don't think that we give our, like our people, our students credit mm. for, you know, they mm. take care of themselves, even when yep. the institution doesn't. Yep. And so, um, so through that, I, um, so any, anyway, I, I was part of the Mecha mission for Eastern when I was there was we would go to the high schools to talk to students in the mm -hmm. Yakima Valley. And we would talk about, you know, just like, you know, what we did and how we got to college and that we felt that that was the kind of like that's what we made our mission to be because you know all the bitches have different missions what they do mm -hmm. and, well one year later um my final year in the criminal justice department we hosted the regional mentor conference at eastern and i was part of the planning committee that did that um and one of the students that i had gone to in high school the year before was like, Manivel, I came to Eastern because of you, because of what you told mm. me, you know? And it was in that moment that I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Like, I want to mm. be able to talk to students about college and the opportunities that they have. So instead of switching majors, my advisors were like, no, just, just get your master's in counseling or something like that, right? And so then I ended mm. up getting my um, but I decided to go with social work just because um, I felt like that would have would give me like a better opportunity to to do more things if I needed to. So so I did my MSW program there at Eastern Two, and then um, right after that, I I went straight into um, counseling in K twelve. Mm. So I did K twelve counseling, and actually in Oregon, where there's a lot an, another large community of Mexicanos, which is in, in uh, like the Umatilla area, um, which is right by the Columbia River, where, because there's a lot of, like, you think about Washington, Yakima Valley, and that's like all field work, but then in, in, um, in Oregon, it's a lot of like, uh, like factories, right? Like you mm -hmm. have Lam West and like these national, um, like companies that send like onions and um, different crops and they they kind of manufacture them there and 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 that's where all the gente are right like mm. and that's where I was mm -hmm. 
And so it was there when I was at the high school there that I worked with, you know, still a small town. I, I, I worked in Boardman, Oregon, which was in Riverside High School in the Morrow County School District. And all of them, you know, all of the McDonald's were there and they were my students in the high school. And a lot of them were, we didn't realize until we were, it was time to get them to go to college that they were undocumented. And so then there was this like, so that's where my passion grew for helping undocumented students. Mm. And, um, and so then when I finally moved back to Washington, um, I, I moved back, you know, because I also miss my family. And then um, I had an opportunity to move back to work in Toppenish, which is another little town in the Yakima Valley. And then um and then I was there at the elementary school for like a year. And that's when I um, applied to be like the faculty, a faculty counselor at Yakima Valley College, which is 70% Latinx students. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and same in that Yakima Valley. So then that brings me to Yakima Valley College, where I was brought in as a faculty counselor. And that's where I soon began to understand um, you know, like what's happening here? Like, why aren't we graduating students like this? And then we had the highest. And then I started like the cool thing about Washington state is that like, unlike any other state is that all the community colleges are part of a state board and we're connected. Like all the parts of the college are connected. So there's 34 community and technical colleges in the state of Washington. And we have like all like councils and commissions and, and just like groups that are connected. So once a quarter, like all the financial aid directors meets like every quarter, you know, to see like what's going on at your college, what's going on at your college. And so when I started working at Yakima Valley College, um, they asked me to be the Yakima Valley College representative on the Multicultural Student Mm -hmm. Services Directors Council, which is all of the 34 community and technical colleges have uh, multicultural centers or, you know, like people that were working with students of color, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, YBC didn't have one. So it was like, they just were like, hey, we need somebody to represent us on this council. You're hired. Do you want to do this? And I did. And so then that's when I was connected with 34 other people that were had like similar uh, passions about working with students of color. And uh, we basically did a lot of work statewide around undocumented students. And this was around... 2014, when um, uh, uh, Washington State passed some laws that uh, allowed undocumented students to apply for the uh, Washington State Need Grant, so they were that they had access to to financial aid, and that was in 2014, and it was around that time. So a lot of my work was around like just training frontline staff about what does it mean now that there's this law that allows undocumented students to, Mm. you know, have access to financial aid to go to college. And so it was at YBC that I started to notice like that my voice wasn't being heard in the ways that Mm. I felt were important. And one of the ways that I felt that I needed was to get a doctorate because I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, what is it that I need? And academia is so like, oh, well, what's your degree? So I know if I should like listen to you or not. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so then that's kind of what brought me to, um, to get to my doctorate in um, organi- 
motivational leadership and education. So um, that's kind of like a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I just gave you like full circle. And, um, and then there's a lot more. I mean, I have such a mm-hmm. big story because now I, I'm no longer at Yakima Valley College because I got pushed out by the administration. Basically, mm. for I was there for like eight, nine years trying to say, like, what are we doing for Latinx students? Why aren't we doing this? Like, what's mm. happening? And then um, and I got pushed out. And, and, you know, now I work at a different institution, which who is an emerging HSI, we're at 90%. Right. Um, and is really looking at trying to see how we become an HSI. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, mm-hmm. It's a beautiful story and I appreciate mm-hmm. learning so much more about you. Um, I feel connected to you in so many ways. I think many of us have similar stories, similar threads, right? Like I, I could think of things like, yes, I, same, 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 right? Um, but then also differences, right? We obviously have de- all have different journeys. Um, I came from, a, I was the exact opposite. I came from a very white uh, uh city and then went to an HSI, right? And, mm-hmm. and for the first time was around Latino students, but we had to find our place too, um, even with a lot, right? Even with not a, a lot, but an HSI, right? We at mm-hmm. that time were emerging. So, but still a good 20 to 25% uh, Latinx students. Um, but yeah, you know, like the journey is so important of how we got and where our passion comes from. And I think mm-hmm. that's what we're going to get throughout this conversation is you're, you're very passionate about this work and clearly it's, it's very much connected to your, your own journey. Um, so thank you for sharing mm-hmm. that. Um, we're going to keep going down that path a little bit, but we're going to turn it to servingness mm-hmm. and I want to hear it cause you just started to get into HSI. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to know a little bit more about that is how did you, your, your serving nurse journey or yeah. how did HSI come into your consciousness, right? Yeah. And um, I, I really love this question because I was thinking about like, how did I, how did I learn? Because that seems like so long ago, right? But um, I, when I first started working at Yakima Valley College, which has been in HSI since like 2001, I didn't know that it was or what that meant or anything like that. When I first started working there, I had no idea. And, um, and it wasn't until, um, knowing, um, when I started getting involved with, uh, grant work and I, I just knew it was grant work, but I wasn't really sure like what. And so now I know what I didn't know then is that like I, uh, Yakima Valley college has always had grants because of our, you know, we have really like 70% of our student body is identifies as Latinx and, and, you know, more than like 80% of our students are uh, low income, you know, and, um, and, and 80% are first generation. So, so there's a lot of um, just being the demographics that we have is makes us very like, okay, like, all the grants, you know, we up, we we qualify for them all, right? And so, so YFC has always had grants, and so it wasn't until I was getting involved with that work through like the director who was lo- always looking for people to like do some work that was written into the grant, and I slowly but surely and quickly um, started like getting into that. And it wasn't until I I was trying to remember if it was 2016 or 2017 when um, SC was in Las Vegas. And that was the first year that I went. And I was actually, and I think I've told you this, that it was a workshop that you were doing on. Um, and I, and I just happened, I didn't, at the time I was like, I don't, I didn't know who you were at the time. I didn't know your scholarship. You know, I was, I didn't know you were like the reina of HSI. You know, I didn't know that. And so, um, 
So I just happened to just read the the description and I remember going and I remember we were in this like lecture hall and we were mm-hmm. like up on on like these mm-hmm. like chairs you know you were down there and you were talking about this like like place that didn't exist and that it was your dream of like what an HSI looked like mm-hmm. and I and I remember was like yes oh my goodness yes like and mm-hmm. then I and I asked you and and I, you probably don't remember but I said well is there a college that is already doing that mm-hmm. and you were like well no <laughs> no this is where we want to be you know and that was my initial introduction to what it could look like and what it could look like and 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 it gave me that permission to like oh it doesn't have to look like this like there's it it could look different and and I think that that's when I started to like then I started to like read more of like the scholarship and and then got more connected in understanding why we had grants and and what the purpose of that was and and how are we really serving our Latinx student population at Yakima Valley College and so so I think that's where I came into it and then it was just a continual like okay what are what did we write in this grant what is happening as we write Mm. the next grant what do we want to do but I, I was not the leader of that you know, there was, there was like, a, mm-hmm. there was other people. And I, and I imagine that this happens in a lot of, um, a lot of uh, institutions where people are just like, a, I was, I, I, I was doing direct student service. So, so I always felt like I had like, all of the ways that we could do things differently, but mm-hmm. nobody like asked me, mm-hmm. you know, nobody said, Hey, Manuel, what do you think? Um, it, even though that just amongst my team, we talked about it all the time. Like, why do mm-hmm. we do this like this? Why are we making barriers? Like, this is another barrier mm-hmm. to access. And it wasn't until like, I, I just like one of, I think one of my like core values is like, if, even if my vo- voice is shaky, like I have to say something, mm-hmm. even if I'm going to get in trouble or like, maybe I shouldn't mm-hmm. be saying that, but I'm going to say it. Right. And and so slowly but surely, I started getting more and more involved in that work at, at YVC. And then that's when um, like the, 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 the leadership or like the, the grant leadership started to pull me in more and more. And then by the end of my time at YVC, I had, we had gotten a new Title, III, uh, Title V grant, and then I was written in as the director. Mm-hmm. And so, so it was kind of like, you know, it took like, you know, maybe, I don't know, five years. Mm. And of just like trying to figure out like, if we're, if this isn't benefiting, you know, our Latinx student population, why are we doing it? And why are we using this funds, these funds that we Mm -hmm. were given for Latinx students, but now we're like, going to serve all students. Mm -hmm. And, And then what's interesting about that, and I'll talk about that a little bit more when I'm talking about my research, but it's like when you live in a place, like if you think of the Washington State HSIs, there's only, when you say all students, it's like Latinos and white students, mm-hmm. right? Because that, like, that's who you have. It's, it's like two, two different mm-hmm. um, populations, right? And so then what happens is so when you're saying all students is because you want to continue to center whiteness mm-hmm. because you want to make white students comfortable or white people or white folks who work at the college. 
So, so it's not like, you know, at universities or, or, or HSIs who have like large uh, uh, students of like a lot of different um, identities. It's more like in Washington, it's basically one or the other, right? Mm. So, so 70% are Latinx and 30% are white. And so, so, so all students means different things in different institutions. And that's why I think for me, my perspective comes from that because that's what I experience. So when I say decentering, it's because you're like still centering whiteness because you, you say all students. And what does that mean? If you take away the Latinx student, who do you have left? Right. And so anyway, I, I wanted to throw that in there because yeah. that's going to be important when I talk about my research. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you're just giving me all these chills. We're like, you're like my hermana de alma, like we're soul sisters, right? Like we definitely like have so many similar, like I've been that same exact person. I don't know if you know, but I also was, you know, implementing a Title V grant a long ago, back in the days before I started dreaming. And I would just my, you know, same, those same feelings of like, I don't think this is right. This doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel right at all. This feels like an all lives matter sort of approach. <laughs> I don't know what an HSI is. So I, I don't have much to say because it was pre, you know, any of my, my own scholarship um, or, or a lot of scholarship really um, on HSI. So, um, you know, it is, it's frustrating when you're like trying yeah. to, to do good work and you can see different. Right. And I think right. that's where, where the dreaming, right. Where I say, mm-hmm. I'm just dreaming. I totally remember that it was decolonizing HSI's part two. Yeah, right. Uh, right. That was part two. Cause I had done, I think I had done it one time before, maybe that was part one. And then I did it again, but I did that, that presentation twice, right. For, mm-hmm. for our C- I see, it might've been, it might've been the first time actually. Mm-hmm. And people were like blown away. Right. Because mm-hmm. it was like, wow, you can dream, you could color outside the box. Right. right? That, that was the feeling I got from that mm-hmm. Asi presentation. Right. That it was mm-hmm. like, we're allowed to, do things differently, but they mm-hmm. haven't let us, right? Because the federal mm-hmm. government says these things. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, here I am, <laughs> just wildly off the wall saying all kind of mm-hmm. like, why not, right? Why can't we do better? Why mm-hmm. can't we do different? Mm-hmm. So um, so I love that you tell that story, right? About how we even came into each other's worlds, right? right. Because, um, because it's true. It's like a lot of us are doing this work, just trying to dr- dream of a better, of a better future. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because we can, we can do better by, by our students. So, and I know that's, um, you know, we're, what you're doing on the ground and in your practice and in your research. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the research, um, mm-hmm. which I want to know more about because you talked about an area that nobody's talking about. Well, not mm-hmm. nobody, there's a few folks, yeah. but it's, a, it's an under researched area, Definitely. which is strategic planning, right? Mm-hmm. Like nerdy higher ed things. Yeah. Like, strategic planning. <laughs> yeah. Um, in higher ed, but then centering HSIs in that work. So Mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about, about your dissertation um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, what you did, the approach you took and, and what some of the things you found, right. Some of the things that we can, we can learn from. Yeah. And, and, and before I get into my research, I, I want to share a little bit about how I came to that, to came to that to be my topic because I think it's like where a lot of people um I, I think a lot of people especially practitioners could relate is that um because initially you know that was not my topic initially I was gonna really focus on white faculty and understanding why some of them are willing to do some of this work and some are not, and I wanted to like, and I still, you know, have interest in that. But it, it initially, when I first started my 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 doctoral process journey, I, I thought that was going to be my, 
my topic, right? Because I was noticing that I'm like, wow, these faculty are really involved, you know, and, and really want to do this work. There's a lot of them, but there's a lot of them who don't. And so what's the difference? Like, why do they do it? And they don't, you know, so, so I, I wanted to focus there. But what I found was that um, I, that meant taking like a really deep dive into whiteness in higher ed. And it was like really affecting my, like my well-being as like a, as a practitioner, as just like as a person, you know, and I was like, I can't do this. If this journey is so long, I, I, I cannot do this. So, so that's for practitioners who are thinking about, you know, doing a, the doctoral journey. Um, I want to just say like, do it. It's, and, and, but it's, you know, you got to be really intentional about what you're going to study because you are going to be living and breathing it for a long time. And, um, and so what, during that same time, I was also, um, again, the Chiripada, not because they sought me out, not because they were like, oh, Maribel, you probably have, you know, something to share here, but the, but it was time to write the strategic plan, the new strategic plan for uh, YVC. And it wasn't, I was just, um, I mean, I feel like the leadership uh, has a responsibility to invite people to to be part of the process and so I, so I think at that point like the president was like hey you should you know anyone who like at convocation where all the faculty come in are like oh anyone who's who who wants to do it you know come be part of it right and usually that means like nobody does but I did I was like you know um if this is a for real um you know invitation I'm going to take it because maybe it'll like maybe I can have, you know, voice, put voice to what, you know, I'm experiencing through my students of what they're experiencing of what, you know, where we need to go. And so I just like sent an email was like, hey, you said that we could, you know, join if we wanted to. So I'd like to join. And, um, and so then there, so, so sure enough, like I was, they, they were like, okay, so they put me a part of this team of four that we're gonna start thinking through like what this new strategic plan was going to look like. And so, we, you know, we were discussing like, like granted at this point, I know like other than, you know, it's, it's a, a document that's gonna guide your work. I don't really know much of it. I just know like, if there, there's an opportunity, I should take this right now. So, so then what happened was that, they started, and, and I don't want to mention the, the organization, but there's a national organization that goes around, you know, to colleges to help them write strategic plans, right? So they were like, we're going to hire them. And so they bring these people and we have initial conversations with them. But then I'm like, well, what do you know about HSIs? Because that's different, right? Like you can't just come in and say, I'm going to help you write the strategic plan, but you have no idea about what it means to have like you know, a large Latinx student population. How do you how do you not even acknowledge that when you're trying to help us write the strategic plan and help us do what we need to do, right? So I just was really um just like disappointed and just like I couldn't like almost in shock. Like how do you bring in these people who don't even know us, don't know our college, don't know what it means to be an HSI or an MSI. I even I even asked them like what about MSI? Do you work with MSIs? And they had like no idea what I was talking about. And, and then I was like, I can't imagine that you're going to spend money to help, you know, and they pay tons and tons of money to these organizations, consultants to come and help. And I just was like, no. So, I, so then that's when I decided to switch my topic 
of like, well, I'm going to become an expert in strategic planning, specifically in HSIs. And that's what, that's kind of how I came to the topic because one, it was like more, you know, it's more aligned with what I'm passionate about and I can do it more because I think that there's like, you know, what I learned was that, you know, it matters, the leadership matters, it matters where the, like the vision, the direction of where the college is going matters. It really informs the work of, of the institution. And, and so I learned so much about the importance of strategic plans and how they can be leveraged to really um, set, to transform an institution. And so, um, so that's kind of how I came to it. And then, and then that's, you know, the rest is kind of like what I'm going to talk about, right, is, is my dissertation <laughs> uh, uh, question and things like that. Although, although I hope to hear mm-hmm. that you are launching your own consulting firm for HSI soon, okay? Yeah, but eventually, eventually, right. what a good, great story. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Research, tell us. So research, find. yeah. So, so then um, what I did was that... Um, I wanted to uh, really understand how the strategic plans were, uh, how HSIs were connecting their their identity, their like uh, priorities and initiatives in the strategic plan to center the experience of Latinx students, as you would think, uh, you know, HSI would do. And um, and so I went looking for that research, and there was only one study that I could find. And it was uh, Flores and Leal out of Texas. And I contacted them. And, I was, and so we had like a meeting and I think I contacted you too. And I'll say why I contacted you. We had a meeting, um, but her, like I talked to them and they, have, they had a study where they looked at 19 strategic plans in Texas. And they looked at, um, you know, how many of them are really like centering their Latinx students because they they're they're the colleges they looked at were like colleges like YBC that have a very high percentage of Latinx students and and they came up with like three categories of like of 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 uh, Latinx ghosting Latinx serving um, and 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 so and I can't remember the third one but I think we can probably like um, put it in the resources or something I have the article yes, yes yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> And so, so what, what they found was that most colleges are not connecting their strategic plan at all to serving and centering the experiences of Latinx students. And so, so I thought, okay, well, there's not a lot of research on that. So then what they recommended was like, talk to the actual people that are doing it about why, because they just did like a, like a content uh, analysis, right? They just look, they didn't talk to me. They just looked at all the strategic plans and compared them and analyzed them. So then I thought, okay, well, I want to talk to the people that actually created the plan to see like, what are they thinking? What are their experiences? What are their stories and perceptions about what, how do you develop a strategic plan that centers Latinx students? And so that's what I did. So I basically um, recruited, um, I did a a narrative inquiry, which um, allows uh, the researcher, me, to to really understand the experiences of a phenomenon that has, well, really hasn't been explored, and it really hasn't. And so so, uh, the study, what I found was uh, in the, um, actually, your, um, I used your framework is grounded in the um, structures for serving component of the um, 
multidimensional conceptual framework of understanding servingness in HSIs, which is, you know, Dr. Garcia, Nunez, and Sansonde, the three of you, you know, created this. And, and I talk a lot about how it was created, the framework, right, and, and, and how the, the, the research is grounded in that. And, and the recommendation by you and them was like, um, you know, like take one of the pieces and study it. And that's what basically what I did. And, and so then in the structures for serving part of the, um, of the framework, I was like, it, where do I find strategic planning? And then that's when you said, I, I think we talked initially during that time and you're like, well, there's no research because the, 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 the framework was created through a synthesis of the research that's already out there of HSIs. And because there's no research around strategic planning, you know, but this is where it would fall under, you know, structures for serving, right? Because that's where, uh, you know, the structures for serving shape the institutional capacity to really uh, intentionally serve the Latinx students. And so that's what I focused on. And so I use that part of the uh, of the framework to really uh, talk to these uh, to to the eight participants. And, and so so I found um, an HSI in Washington uh, Community College and it's not YVC. <laughs> So it's a different one. Um, so okay. I don't, people might be like, oh, well, it was, has to be that one. Of course, no. of course. Yeah, no, it was not. It was a different one. Um, and it was uh, really cool because it just all happened to be that they were literally in that moment engaged in strategic planning. Mm -hmm. And so there was 16 people on their team and I sent my you know recruitment email to all of them and I got like eight people to respond. And it was from executive cabinet to like frontline staff. Right. So I had a variety of people that uh, in those eight people that uh, participated. And so really, um, I asked them um, questions around, uh, you know, strategic planning. And I had five guiding questions, which were around, like, what do you even uh, what does serving this mean to you? Like, because I still wanted to know, like, what is their idea of serving this and how are they incorporating that into into the strategic plan? And, um, and, and what I found, so I, I ended up uh, doing uh, narrative, narrative um, interviews, and I interviewed them both twice and asked them about their experiences. And, and really what I found was that they, um, I ended up with 13 themes. I had five uh, research questions, which is way too many now that I know. Wow. <laughs> I know. I would never allow that. <laughs> I know, but, but at the, my chair didn't, wasn't like, hey, you should probably have two or one or three, yeah, one. you know. I, I say one. <laughs> yeah, so I had five research questions and each of them had two themes that, that answered them. And then, um, and then accept the one about challenges to, to centering, to servingness, uh, incorporating servingness into the strategic plan uh, had five, the challenges. And, and so I think that, it, I mean, I could go on and on about all of my 13 themes, but I think that I wanna really focus on uh, the, the things that I found were, um, you know, that, there's a couple of challenges and, and one is, you know, lack of time and capacity for the people because I think people are really moving towards like including in this shared governance where we're going to include all these people, but the problem is that you don't prepare them. You don't tell them what they're going to do. They don't like all of them were like, I don't even know what strategic planning is. 
or what the purpose is. And I definitely don't know anything about HSI-ness and servingness. And so, so I feel like what I found was that, um, and they're not being like, because you're going to do this work, we're going to take this off of your plate. You know, so it was like, here's my job. And on top of that, I have to go to all these meetings to create a strategic plan. And so then people feel really taxed and, and really um, like their work is like not really valued. But then but then you have to have that internal conflict of like, but I really want to be a contribute to this, but I can't because, you know, it's so I have to do that and I have to do my job. So there, so there's this, this really like this conflict of like, well, how do I say no, but then my voice doesn't get included. And that's really unfortunate that we can't figure out ways in which I tell people how to do it in my, I, at the end, I came up with six um, steps to serving, to, to incorporating servingness in strategic planning at HSIs. And the, people will have to wait for the published article for that but yeah you, you I was know. gonna say can you tell yeah. us or, or we got yeah <laughs> yeah <Got it. laughs> well for Dr. Garcia is helping me trying to figure out how to publish my work See, because yeah. that's another thing they don't tell you about when you're yeah. in doctor school they don't say like <laughs> hey you should probably know how to do this because we don't but um so so I'll tell I'll say this so there's essential elements um let me see. Uh, the strategic planning is for a couple of things. So it ensures institutional effectiveness. Um, it helps uh, articulate the mission. It evaluates the efficiency and effectiveness of the strategic goals. And it includes optimal alignment of initiatives. It clearly articulates the future direction and it's used for meaningful decision making. So that's how I'm defining strategic planning. And, um, and the reason I say that is because if your mission doesn't even include to your HSI designation or something about serving your Latinx students, then, you know, then how can you, so like your strategic plan should be like a mission fulfillment report. Mm-hmm. So how do you fulfill your mission? What is your mission of the college? And, it, and, and if it doesn't include the HSI designation, then it, it's really going to skew what, what's in, in it. And people aren't really sure about what their work is and how to connect to it. Right. And so, um, so I, actually at Yakima Valley, we did like our mission statement. That was one of the things that I helped with before we left is to include our HSI designation in uh, the mission the new mission of the college. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so I feel like um, the, the challenges, there are lack of time and capacity, meaningful metrics. And, and what I mean by that is that people don't know, like the data literacy, it has to be there. If, mm-hmm. if you're going to be on the strategic planning team, you have to understand data and how to read it and how to understand mm-hmm. it. And that mm-hmm. was lacking. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then people didn't know how to connect it to their daily work. So mm-hmm. even though I'm on the planning team, I don't know how what's written in the strategic plan connects to my daily work. Right. right? And then um, the other challenge was uh, white supremacy. And what I, and, and I talk about in my dissertation, how that's part of the framework. You have white supremacy up here in the corner yep. of yep. the framework. <laughs> and that came up as uh, that aligned with the research, mm-hmm. right? Is that white supremacy continues to be a challenge to aligning the strategic plan with serving Latinx students because 
the discomfort with centering Latinx students and, um, and like, you know, it's always coming through like this deficit lens of like, you know, and you talk a lot about that in the, in the, um, in the framework too, right. Mm -hmm. Is to talk about like, you have to be careful that you're not, you know, uh, speaking about your students through a deficit lens. Um, and then, um, the, the other, you know, big challenges, again, like the lack of PD of understanding what strategic planning is in general. Mm -hmm. And then just like the history of HSI-ness and what does that mean? And do you know where it came from? And do you understand, like, you know, have you read a article from Gina, you know, about like serving this? <laughs> At, least one, I mean, At least one, I mean. At least one. There's a so lot. Many. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and so they ended up telling that that is a, that was a, a finding because, because they're the ones who were saying like, yeah, we don't, because of the questions that I was asking them, they were like, wow, I didn't realize that it, I, I couldn't answer that because I don't know anything about servingness or I don't know what it means to be an HSI, which is interesting because this college has been an HSI for a really long time, mm. but they're just starting to talk about what it means to be an mm. HSI. And so, so I feel like that definitely was an implication for HSI leaders, like practitioners who are like trying to put teams together. It's a disservice to not prepare them to really write a plan that's going to do what it needs to do, which is to center the experiences and ways of being and knowing our Latinx students. And, mm -hmm. and they didn't know how to do that because it was really uncomfortable. And, and the other finding I, I got was the decentering. Um, mm. There was a lot of decentering. So when I, there was a specific question that I asked about like, well, how does the strategic plan center the experiences of Latinx students? And a lot of the, the participants would then transition to a different student population. Uh, they would tell me about anything else, but mm -hmm. how they are centering Latinx students. And I mm -hmm. had to bring them back. And they're like, well, we can't say that. And I'm like, well, why? You know, mm -hmm. why can't you say that? Oh, well, people would be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And, yep. and so, so it's like, if we're not having those conversations and making space for people to have those conversations about why we can't center the experience of our Latinx students, then what are we doing? You know, like that is essential. Like if mm -hmm. you're not doing that before you go into a strategic planning, you know, mode, there has to be a way to have those conversations that lead into what are we going to do about it? And it could be that maybe that's, part of the strategic plan is that you're going to, in the next three years, depending on how far out you're going to write it for, <clears throat> excuse me, then part of it is to, how are we going to make space to have those conversations about centering the experience of our Latinx students and, and write it out? Like that's going to be part of the plan, right? And, and that's how you build. And because I think what, what I found is that a lot of people think that they have to get to this really big, you know, create these big, massive changes. But what's mm -hmm. happening is that like the small, like you, like that could be the plan is mm -hmm. to make space to create, to have conversations. So there's a common collective understanding campus wide about what does it mean to have an HSI identity? How do we want it to, to, to be, um, like how does each area of the college define being an HSI and what does that mean to my part of the work, part mm -hmm. of the, you know, to my daily work? And what's happening is that, you know, um, we're having these really big lofty goals that, you know, 
those are not necessary if you're making the small changes as you go, because then the next three years, now you've already gotten a common language, right? In the, mm-hmm. these first three years, you're building, right? You think of it as building wherever you are is wherever you are and that's fine, but, but build from there. Like, how can you build, like imagine and dream, let them dream because I think it, it's different. It's different mm-hmm. for every college, what it means, servingness means. Yeah. And I think that's what you're, you, you, you've been, I feel like that's kind of like the voice that I've been hearing from you is that, you know, depending on the college, because there's so many, you know, external factors that you might, you know, I, the way that this Washington schools identify as servingness could be different than in California. Right. right. And so just like, how, what does it mean for you and your college? But if you're not even making space for people to have that conversation, which is, the people who actually work with your students and, and, and including your students in those conversations, then -hmm. you're not going to know what serving this means. And you can't take, you know, what this college in California is doing and, and, and bring it to Washington because it's totally different. Right. And, and, and you have to just create the space to have those conversations with all of those stakeholders. Right. That's a lot, but um, I, I know I'm like Whoo. I can go on and on but there's, there's a lot I mean I, it was a lot um, it was interesting mm-hmm. and I do have some implications for HSI leaders navigating embracing the HSI designation um, and um, because you I think uh, the you know question that was coming next I don't know if you want to ask it is like, <laughs> what, <laughs> the, what are practitioners what do yeah. practitioners take from your, from your, or learn with you? I don't like to say take, it's like taking your knowledge, right? right. Like learn from your knowledge, right? Like the, this, um, so everything you've identified is things I've talked about, but mm-hmm. I don't think I have a good answer for how to not do those things, right? Like how to move forward. And I yeah. think that's where we're at is like, um, we got to get people tools, right? Practitioners right. need tools because they're probably listening right now mm-hmm. and saying, yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. I say that all the time. Maribel keeps mm-hmm. speaking on it. Right. Mm-hmm. But how do I, but how, how do, do I, I do that? How do right. I do it? That's yeah. what people ask me all the time is how do I do it? So, and I don't know, maybe you're, that's going to come. I mean, if you want to write a book, I think I have a publisher for you, right? Like you are writing about something that's really, really important. Right. Um, right. I, I'm not joking about the consulting thing. Like HSIs yeah. should lean on you that has that more centering of Latinx students in your, you know, in your, in your knowledge and mm-hmm. in your practice. Um, but yeah, if you want to tell us one or two things, what the people that are listening, they're like, yeah. what do I do? What do I do? Yeah. Well, I think that the first and foremost, I think where we're moving to is that you need, like when we keep saying, oh, it's the institution, it's the institution. Who is the institution? We are. And so, so I think the first thing to look at is yourself. And if you like what we, what another finding is that um, and that this comes from the research, the, the emerging research on um, leadership in higher ed is that there's a huge lack of knowledge, skills, and abilities um, from the executive leaders to actually um, create or develop or, or, or do this transformation, uh, organizational transformation that is needed. And the reason for that is because they do not have uh, the knowledge of the racialized experiences of their students of color, especially Latinx students. And so if leaders of HSIs are not willing to do their own work on themselves and how 
they understand the racialized experiences of, of their Latinx students, then they are not, um, you know, you're not going to be able to, to, to do this work and you're not going to be able to create space that is needed like, or, or creating those containers that are needed for people to have the conversation and how for people to examine how they continue to perpetuate the system that continue to create barriers and oppress our Latinx students. And, and, and so if we are not, if you're a leader and you're not doing that, then I would recommend, and here's a practical thing, like find the leader in your college that probably doesn't have positionality, but is right there, you know, like serving students and knows exactly what they need when they need it, but nobody's giving that person voice. That is your job as a leader to find that person and develop them to be the next leader of your college. And, and really start building the people that are doing the work because that's what we do. We like, we, I mean, what we don't do, right? Uh, if you're an HSI leader and you're not willing to put in the work to understand the racialized experience of your Latinx students, including understanding you, yourself, and, and especially if you identify as a white dominant culture person, um, then, then it's really up to you to really do one of two things, like either do the work and wherever you are, stop and, and do your own work in order to stop perpetuating. Or how do I develop these other leaders who I know are doing that work and are understanding how, like the racialized experience of our Latinx students. And that can mean, that can look like a lot of different things, right? It can look like, um, you know, what, can you write them into the next grant? Like kind of mm -hmm. what happened with me, like mm -hmm. uh, write them into the next grant or um, have them be a part of those meetings where you're thinking of what it, will our next grant be? Because a lot of times it's the grant writer who's writing the grant who doesn't even work directly with students. That's who's yep. writing the grant, mm -hmm. you know? And why <laughs> is it the people that are frontline staff part of those meetings of like, what is it that our students are saying to you? What are you hearing? Or even revolutionary include students, you know? Ooh, <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and just how do you, um, you know, build uh, leaders from the people who, cause I, I can assure you there's at least three, depending on how big your college is, three to five people right now who are really frustrated who are like me, who were like you, Gina, who are like, mm -hmm. we know what needs to be done, but nobody's giving us voice. Nobody is creating space for my voice to be. And, and I'm not talking about like, oh, do a survey. You know, that's not what I'm talking about, you know, because a lot of times we're like, oh, well, we did a focus group and they didn't show up. You know why they didn't show up? Because they can't leave their desk. Right. Ooh, yep. Yep. You can't leave there. You don't, you're not intentional. And I think mm -hmm. all of this is about intentionality. Like, mm -hmm. what are you really trying to do and who are you talking to and who has the information that you need? Because it is there. You have it at your college. You don't need consultants. Yeah. You have no. it at your college. Oh, yes, yes. That that right there was that was a whole word because it's true. It's almost like you read my book, my next book already. And I'm like, I'm going to put you on the first list, to, the <laughs> list of first people to send it to. I talk about grassroots leadership in my mm -hmm. book. And that's exactly what you're talking about is that like, there are people who aren't the director. They're not the deans. They're not the vice chancellor. They're not the whatever, but they're doing serving this every day because they 
are committed to serving this every day, right? They don't get all the, they don't get the grants. They don't get the limelight. They're not on the podcast today with me, right? Like none of that, but they're doing the work every single day. Right. right. And they are, they don't even, they do it because they, they are committed to doing the work. Right. Mm-hmm. How do we develop those folks? Right. How do we develop those folks within our serving this work? Um, and I think you're, you're right. Like write them into the next ground, right? Like yeah. bring them in, acknowledge the work that they're doing. Cause it's often unpaid labor. We know that, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. There's unpaid labor that people of color, women, femmes put on, on their back and carry it and carry the institution. And all the mm-hmm. institution does at the end is say, yay, look what we did. And it's mm-hmm. like, nah, I did that, bro. But right. you know, exactly. like, all right, you can have the limelight for a second, but like we did that, right? And it's often we, it's not even I, it's we, because we do mm-hmm. it in community all the time. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, I agree. I I, I agree. And I, I, you know, I, I'm applauding your work and I hope folks are listening and thinking about all this. This is, this, this is happening across HSIs, right? Exactly what you're talking about. And we, we just, we've got to do better, yes. got to do better about figuring, mm-hmm. figuring this out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to transition a little bit into um, some of your practice. Cause you've also done this, you know, you talked a lot about your research, but it was intertwined and also practice obviously, cause it was very much about practice, but you have been an HSI director. You have mm-hmm. been written into a grant um, mm-hmm. and implemented a grant. So talk to us a little bit about that. Cause I know some folks listening, they're trying to figure out that piece, right? How right. do we successfully implement and run a five-year HSI grant. So talk to mm-hmm. us a little bit about some of your, your experiences with successes. Like what would you say yeah. are some, some things yeah. that will lead to success? Right. And, and I think that like the, 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 the key thing to that is to look at what are we doing, right? What are we already doing that is successful and then building off of that and supporting that? Because a lot of times these, um, these, uh, initiatives or projects that were written into the grant, um, you know, often we want to write something brand new and shiny, but maybe it's about looking at where are things going well and how do you write um, a grant that gives that area or um, activity or initiative more resources. And And I don't think that we often think like that. Um, I think we always want to do something new and innovative, but, you know, that's how we get caught up in having so many initiatives and so many activities. And, and that's part of strategic planning too, is like, how do you align all of those things instead of having like four or five different plans? You have a mission fulfillment plan, you have a strategic plan, you have a diversity plan, you have like, like all of these plans, instead of having one plan that includes all of the things that are going well and that are serving students that are having really great outcomes you know how do you scale up you know the places that because this is what I hear all the time because like for example we know trio works right oh well let's scale that up well oh we don't have the resources for that we can never do that well why doesn't the next grant talk about how you scale up every student having uh, like, a you know, somebody that's going to be able to work with them on, you know, advising or creating an ed plan or whatever it is that's making that successful, or, you know, creating like, um, you know, learning communities, then why, why not include that in your next grant of how to scale that up of where we know students are being successful. So that's one. And then the second thing is that when I was a grant director, every time there was a funding request, because you know, when you're um you're like the um the the fairy godmother because you have money. 
you know, and people want to come, people want to come talk to you about like, Hey, I have this idea, you know, and I always was like, well, how does that benefit Latinx students? And if they can't tell you articulate how this is going to, you know, any kind like, like really, um, you know, support or expand on the experience of your Latinx students, then I'm not funding it. Cause that's what the money's for, like to fund, you know, like we want to build educational attainment for our Latinx students. And, and if you go back to, you know, the higher ed act of 1992, that's what it was about is like, okay, we're noticing that our Latinx students are not, you know, they're, they're enrolling fine, but what's happening is they're not finishing. So what's happening, obviously something's happening in between that they're not finishing. So what is it that we can put our money and resources towards, um, you know, and this is where, where people get stuck with the, oh, but what about all students, you know, and, and that's what I was talking about, because then, you know, you're trying to, it's this idea of like raising all ships, right, but this ship already started from the very bottom, so you're still, you know, continuing to like perpetuate the inequity, because you're like serving all students, instead of like, how do you focus on your Latinx students to bring them up, you know, up to where, you know, they, they can, you know, experience their educational journey in a way that's going to be, you know, barrier free, and, and they can have access to all of the things in all of the ways. And so I think that um, just being really mindful and intentional about who you're giving your funding to and how, and, and how is it serving your Latinx students and asking them that. And if you can't answer that, then no, you know, like, we can't fund that. Sorry. Um, and, and being like really clear about what you're going to fund and what you're not going to fund. And I think involved, like what I did was I, um, had multiple, um, areas for the grant was around universal design, financial literacy, and expanding our BAS programs. And I did what I said to do just a couple minutes ago was I, um, made project leads from the people that I, you know, like I, I put them in those positions because I knew that they knew how to serve the students. And then also they had never had an opportunity. They didn't have positionality. So anytime you as a grant director can give positionality to those folks who are doing the work, that's how you're going to start to build leaders as well is through your grant work is, is how are you, you putting in, you know, your people that are doing all the work and can really speak to the student experience and how to center it and how do you give them space and, and positionality through the grant. And so that's another way. That's like a third thing. Um, and so as far as like, you know, if, if I want to talk a little bit about the, um, the um, being a counselor uh, uh, in, in, in it's like, you talked about that burden that, that, that people of color often take that unpaid, unspoken, you know, your student is your student and you're going to be who like, and I, and I kind of think of just being for them, you know, just being like, whatever it is that they need in that moment, that's what you're going to be for them. You know, whether it's like, you know, the tia, the tia la comadre, the, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, you need food, whatever, you know, and, and, and it's like, there's so many people that are just like, that's not my job that's not, you know, like, go like that's And it's, it, that's not how we work. And if you're going to, and, and I think that's part of understanding the students that you serve is that that's not how we do things. And, and especially in the Latinx community, we're all about everyone is everything for everyone. Mm -hmm. And until we can get away from these, like, 
white supremacy pillars, you know, of how we do things in higher ed, I think it's going to be really difficult to, to really, um, you know, be a serving institution until you Mm -hmm. can realize that, you know, when, when a person, when a student finds a person, that's a person for everything, for financial aid, for like, whatever, they're going to come back to you because they've connected with you, which is why in the counseling center, that's another um, really unique thing at Yakima Valley College is that we're all at, most of us are Latinx and there's like nine of us, I think, and most of us are. And so, you know, from all the areas of the college, you know, when they assess us, that's who gets, basically that's our multicultural center because we had mm-hmm. food, we had, you know, um, resources, we had everything um, to, to wrap around the student. And, mm-hmm. but that shouldn't be just in one center that should be everywhere, wherever mm-hmm. they go, they should have that same service. And how do we get there? And that's the question, right? right? And how do you put that into your strategic plan that that's what you're going to be? But then it goes even one step back in that people are like, why would we do that? Why that, you know, we can't do that. We can't be that for our students. And I've had people tell me that, you know, that's not our job to feed our students, Mm. you know, and I've heard that from leadership. And so, so that's what I mean, that leadership matters. It matters who your leaders are. It matters what they're doing and what work they're doing with themselves and how to understand the racialized experience of our students. Absolutely. What I hear you saying is like serving this is going to happen regardless, right? That what you just described is like, I see that often, right? When I'm working with institutions, it's like, there's like pockets of serving this already happening, whether you have a grant, whether you have a designation, whether you have a seal, it don't matter. This is going to happen anyways, because the people in that space are committed to serving students, right? Right. Through their lens, through their cultural, you know, framing, um, food matters to students. I, yes. I talked to a student on a panel recently and she said, I this was so powerful. Like, I will not forget this. She said, I used to stay on campus as long as I had food. So we want to measure engagement by these white normative measures of engagement and Mm -hmm. say, well, students aren't engaged, you know, Latino students and low income students and first gen students aren't engaged. Well, yeah, they have to think about other things. Like literally she was like, if my food ran out, I had to go home. Mm -hmm. Engagement done. (laughs) <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Like engagement's mm-hmm. done. If it's 3 PM and there's a lot of things to go on all the way on campus till 9 PM that are engagement, it's mm-hmm. not happening because I, I need to go home. Right. Right. Like right. basic needs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. Provide, providing students with basic needs is important. Right. And mm-hmm. is serving this. Mm-hmm. Um, but like for leaders not to understand that, that's like, <laughs> that seems so basic. It seems so like, come on, right? Like basic needs is, 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 is easy enough to, to get, but it's not, people are missing that. Yes. And it's unfortunate. So, so yeah. So thank you for telling us a little bit um, about that. Um, I think I want to ask you a question about Washington. Okay. Um, because you've been doing this work in Washington mm-hmm. and um, I don't think I have any other guests who've ever done serving in Washington. I've never done research in Washington. Mm-hmm. I've only visited two HSIs in Washington. Yakima Valley College was one of them. Um, and, and so what's unique about doing serving in the state of Washington and think about even like larger structures, like you named state, state, uh, boards, um, mm-hmm. policies, you know, state mm-hmm. policies, those kind of things. How do all those, those things that go in, in Washington specifically, how is it make servingness and doing HSI work unique? Yeah. So I, 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 um, think that a lot of it, um, first of all, is that binary that I spoke of earlier is that when you look at, I think there's like 
six HSIs in, in Washington. And, um, and there's a couple of emerging HSIs. Uh, and I think it's only going to grow, right? Um, and, and, and then people are like, okay, how do we become HSIs? Uh, but I think that in my experience, so the interesting part is that we're all basically in central or, or, or um, eastern part of the state central to central eastern east central or however you say that um it is where we are right and and it's and they're mostly rural and then there's that binary that mostly it's either latinx or white students like that's the populations and whether it's universities there's a there's a couple universities and for the most part we're community colleges um but yeah but we are all connected and um and i think that um uh, the rurality of it, um, and then I know that there's some like, uh, there's research around being a rural HSI that's emerging as well, but it really is about like, well, there's nowhere, there's really nowhere else to go. Like in the Yakima Valley, there's not another community college, like you're going to go to Yakima Valley College, you know? And so when, when other colleges, like the one that I'm at now is struggling with enrollment, you know, YVC, well, there's really no, there's nobody competing, right? Because it, it's very rural. And what we know about our, our Latino community, Latinx community is that, you know, we're going to stay close to home and we're going to stay where our family is. And, and that's why the college hardly ever struggles with enrollment. And that's what I think is the same for a lot of the HSIs in Washington state. And I think that, um, I, I don't know that the the Washington State HSIs are um, often included in the national conversations about HSIs that and, and I think they should be because they are different. We have a large undocumented student population. And um and so a lot of our HSI work includes work like how do we help our undocumented students have access to education in all of the creative and out of the box thinking that needs to go around that. Um, and I think that all of the HSI struggle with that um, because we also being Eastern and Central wash part of Washington is that it's very like a conservative racist area. You know, so like I said, the population outside of the HSI as well, it's 50, 50, right? It's either like um, white folks and, and then there's these, and mostly Mexicanos. You know, you, you know, you hear about Latinx, but they don't identify as Latinx or Mexicanos. They're, and specifically from Michoacán, Mexico, you know, so it's very targeted, like very um, specific population of, of, of Latinx students, what we call Latinx, but, you know, I don't think they would identify as that. Um, and so I think those are the uniquenesses of, um, about the Washington State uh, Colleges uh in in kind of like in a nutshell I don't know if you had more questions about that yeah no for sure I mean I think you, you've touched on a lot of important things because regions matter right and mm -hmm. even if you just talk about the kind of Latinx right mm -hmm. matters right mm -hmm. um right if that that mm -hmm. that's specific right that's very mm -hmm. different than if you're like in the northeast or the southeast in Florida right like there's 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 different and, and that that affects surveyness, right? And how we're gonna right. approach the work. Mm -hmm. um, so it does matter. Um, so thank you for that. So the final question is always a fun question, but also it stumps people for some reason. I don't know. It's, it seems like the easiest question to me. People show up because they wanna know what's happening with HSI. So how do you summarize in a quick uh, response? Que pasa HSIs? 
Okay, I think that I would summarize with saying um, that leadership matters. Uh, I think that um, the leadership informs the direction of the HSI. And, and if um, there's not a lot of work happening with themselves <laughs> and how they're showing up to the college and how they're positioned or they're, you know, examining like privilege and, and like whether or not the relatedness to like the students and understanding their journey, I think that matters. And not just, I'm not just talking about like the, like the executive cabinet, but I'm also talking about the board of trustees. Oftentimes the board of trustees has no idea what it means that the, their college is an HSI. And they're the ones who are, you know, making a lot of decisions around policy and things like that. And so I would say like, how much time are you spending educating your board of trustees and who has access to them and who is um, giving them information about what it means to be an HSI. And then, so, so, so if, if folks are not, you know, thinking about that or willing to do that work, then, then, then maybe the HSI is not for you and making space for people who are willing to do that work for the sake of the students that you serve. Um, because if you're not going to do that, then there, there's a place for you, maybe just not at an HSI. Absolutely. I agree with that. Snap, 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 snaps. It's more like what's not happening at HSIs, but what needs to, right? right? So thank you for that. And thank you for all this wonderful knowledge that you've shared with us um, today. I really uh, appreciated this conversation and I hope our least listeners will too. Thank you. Mil gracias.